verses of scripture to start with, and uh, we'll get right into the message that God's laid on my heart. I'm going to be reading the New Living Translation, uh, Genesis chapter 1. We're going all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I want to begin a new series today, and I'm going to preach the first message in this series to you. I'm going to call this series Woven. We're going to talk about some things that are interwoven into who we are and what we believe, but from the very beginning of the Word uh, all the way to the end. So today, I'm going to preach part one of that message. Uh, and as we read the first two verses of the Bible, backward, and then later on in the message today, we're going to go forward. And we're going to look at that thread that's woven in of the Holy Spirit today. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you once again for your presence. Thank you for these precious people. Lord, thank you today for your word. Lord, I realize today that I'm an unholy man with a holy task. So, God, I pray today that you would just, for the next few moments, you would, uh, Lord, just remove every distraction. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would cause every hindrance to cease, that for the next few moments, Lord, you would anoint these lips of clay that I would speak, not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that your word would come forth today in the demonstration of the power of your spirit. I pray you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what thus saith the word of the Lord today. God, speak to us and teach us by your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. A single thread, I probably should have brought a thread with me this morning, but a single thread uh, is small. Most often, it's considered insignificant. It usually goes unnoticed in a garment even until the moment that that thread is pulled, you suddenly recognize its significance and how essential it is to the overall garment, the overall tapestry, or the overall storyline. And if that thread is removed, the picture might be incomplete. If the thread comes unraveled, the whole garment might even be destroyed. And so I don't know how long, over the next week or two, we're going to examine the most important thread in history, in the history of the church. And it's a thread that not only runs through our entire story, but it also ties the story of us together. Just a couple months ago, we celebrated Easter and what a glorious celebration it was. And today, we are just one week past Pentecost Sunday, which we talked about last week. After the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples were told to wait and that they would receive power. It's the most profound introduction of the Holy Spirit that we find in Scripture. However, I don't want us to make any mistake about it. It was not the first introduction. The involvement of and the importance of this thread of the Holy Spirit is unmistakable. As Pentecostals, we tend to focus all of the attention over in Acts chapter 2 
and on the day of Pentecost. And I think it's crucial that as we go through this, that we back up, we go backward, that's why I'm saying backwards, that we back up and for an old cliche I'm going to use this morning, we lay this thread bare so that we know what we have, what it is that we're talking about, rather than just looking at the end result and the end garment. See, one of the key principles to learn when you're studying the scriptures is called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. Often in scripture, importance is signified and significance is revealed by the, pack, by the fact that something is first mentioned in scripture. It is prominent and it is preeminent. And we should take notice and give proper attention to what is and when is and where it is mentioned first in Scripture. Now, in the creation account, you need to understand in the account of the creation, this was literally thousands of years before the day of Pentecost. Uh, 4,000 years before uh, Jesus Christ when creation first started. And it is here in the very beginning that we see the very first glimpse of this thread that weaves all the way forward to Acts chapter 2. And this thread is seen at various times in the creation narrative given uh, in Scripture in Genesis. The Bible said on the sixth day, as God creates man, that he has a conversation with his triune self. Because remember, God was God the Father. He was God the Son. And he was God the Holy Spirit. And we read that he has a conversation with his triune self. And what does he say? He says, let us... Uh, talking to himself or themselves, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. The Holy Spirit was involved in the entirety of the creation process from the very beginning, day one through day seven, the Holy Spirit is there threading its way all throughout our story. However, again, I want to draw your attention to the first mention. Uh, I can't even say that it was on day one because the first mention, this is actually prior to there ever being a day one. Prior to any of the let us make statements that we read in scripture, prior to any explosion of creative power, prior to there being any light, any sun, any moon, any plant, any fishes, uh, or the crescendo of designing and breathing into man before any of that, this thread that we're talking about this morning is there from the very beginning. I want to draw your attention to the New Living Translation again uh, of verse 2. And it said at the end of verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, can I tell you this morning that God is a God of order? Say amen, somebody. And He will set things into place. He will put things in line. He will provide structure. But here in this passage of Scripture, we get a glimpse of not only what things were like before all of the beauty that we see around us today, but this account in Genesis gives us a clear picture of the nature of the Holy Spirit long before this fire-filled day of Pentecost that we talk about. And it's an odd statement, if you will. The Spirit of God 
was hovering over the surface of the waters. Perhaps maybe another translation of this scripture gives some greater understanding and insight. Let's read this passage in the message translation. It says, first this, God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Watch this. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness, and God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. So from the first translation of the spirit was hovering to this translation of the spirit brooding like a bird. Is that any clearer for anybody this morning? Probably not. You're probably still thinking, I'm not sure what we're saying here. But what we're given here is a word picture of the Holy Spirit hovering or brooding over the chaos of our world. The, the Spirit of God hovering and brooding over the chaos of our world. And this is a picture of that of like a mother bird who sits over and watches over the eggs in her nest before they hatch. She will do anything to protect them. She will do anything to buffer the enemy away. And I want you to think about this action of the Holy Spirit. The the powerful Spirit of God, but at this point in Scripture, the wordless Spirit of God is preparing for the cosmic Word of God. Are you with me? See, we read that the Holy Spirit settles over the chaos. It settles over the nothingness, and it prepares for order and the creative Word of God. Can I tell you this morning, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He settles over our nothingness. He settles over our blackness. He settles over our chaos. And He is there to provide order and prepare us for the creative Word of God. Can I tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit watches over our mess? Is there anybody else in the house this morning that will be transparent beside your pastor and say, sometimes I feel like a hot mess? Anybody out there? Can I tell you this morning that the Spirit of the Lord will hover over your hot mess until He can create some order and prepare you that you can receive the message that God has come to bring to you in your life. To set things in order in your life. Here's another one to cause you to straighten up. Anybody remember the story in the Bible of the woman who was bent over? The Bible said she had an infirmity and she'd been that way for many, many years. And she had seen many physicians and doctors, but she was still bent over. She couldn't straighten up. That paints a picture for me. Does anybody know anybody that just can't seem to straighten up? Hello, somebody. Anybody like me, you got any family members that just can't seem to straighten up? I came to tell you something this morning. What man could not do for that woman, when God's spirit, when God's presence touched her, the Bible said she stood upright, just like she had always been. Can I tell you what this world does not need? What this uh, generation does not need? They don't need a group of church people that judge them, that condemn them, that put them down, that talk less than to them and make them feel less than and insignificant. 
But what they do need is a church full of people that are full of the power of the Spirit of God that will hover over them until their lives are straightened up. And the first time that we see the thread and we see him at work, he is setting up to change chaos to order. Now, as Pentecostals, we have historically focused on tongues and we will look into that deeper before this is over. However, we can't allow that focus to cause us to forget that the very first work of the Holy Spirit that you'll ever read about in the Word was order. That was the very first work of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't think that is a great gift, order is a great gift, I want you to just stop for just a minute and realize how that everything in life naturally moves from order to disorder. That's what chaos actually means. Chaos actually means disorder. And once God puts things in order, it's just natural. Everything naturally moves from order back toward chaos. How many knows what I'm talking about this morning? You remember that time that you prayed over that situation and you saw God intervene and he moved and you were on cloud nine, you were on the mountaintop, everything was going wonderful, but then all of a sudden that situation started to move from order back towards chaos, right? That's the same way that it is in life today. Ladies, some of y'all think about your house. You work hard, you clean it, you put everything in order. Is anybody out there besides my wife that's got an order for some stuff? I mean, we got a cleaning, I started to say a cleaning lady, but he's a cleaning man. And he's a cleaning machine, let me tell you. But he comes in and he cleans, and what does she come in behind him and do? I mean, I... I can walk right past it unless it's in front of the TV. Now, if it's in front of the TV, I'm going to move it. But she's going to the end tables going, running over here and putting it back in order. What happens when you clean your house? You get it all cleaned up and everything put in order, and then before you can turn around, the process slowly starts moving back to chaos. Can I get a witness this morning, right? And you're like, I did not just clean this up. You know, some of y'all yelled at your kids just yesterday over what I'm preaching about this morning. Didn't I just clean this mess up? What are you doing, right? The process slowly starts moving back to disorder. Yet before day one, the Holy Spirit has been working to get and keep things in our world and ultimately in our life in order. And the same Holy Spirit that hovered over and brooded over the chaos of our world is now preparing our chaos for the word that will give shape and meaning to what made no sense before. In fact, that's exactly why each of you are here this morning. That is to hear his word. Everything we do before the word takes place in the service. That's why this is not one of those churches. Very few and far between times will you come that you might not hear the word of God. And actually, I don't think you'll ever come and not hear the word even very few and far between though would you ever come and not hear a message because everything we do everything the spirit does in the service is to prepare the atmosphere for the word of God to come forth so that he can bring order to your life and to my life anybody else be transparent this morning and say I could use some order yeah you think your world is in a mess right now you think you're surrounded by chaos, confusion, brokenness, 
And if you've been to the gas pump, brokenness. <laughs> Emptiness. I could stop right there and get on a political high horse. But I'll spare y'all today. Brokenness, emptiness, formlessness. That's a familiar backdrop, though. All of those things. The chaos of our world. The problems that we face and what we go through. Is a backdrop against which the Holy Spirit does His best work. And that is to put things in order. If it wasn't for the hovering of the Holy Spirit over some of your lives. You wouldn't be here this morning. He keeps us until order can come. Now we'll get to Pentecost and we'll see and hear the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. But before we rush to that and miss this great gift. If I, if I rush through all of that to go straight to the day of Pentecost. And we miss the great gift of order that the Holy Spirit brings. And I've done you a disservice. I've done the Holy Spirit an injustice. Because if there's chaos in your world today, spiritually, physically, socially, emotionally, and for a lot of people that seems like a normal life, it is. But we also must remember that God is not the author of confusion. Say amen, somebody. It is the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in other words, it's the enemy that specializes in chaos. And the remedy to that is this thread that we're talking about this morning. We must allow the Holy Spirit to hover over our situation, to let Him get involved, to let Him brood over those blackest, emptiest, darkest places in our lives. And when He does, He will always reveal Jesus. And He will always bring order. Jesus came to set things right, just like the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit came to set things in order. Jesus came to set things right. In the church world today, you know what we're guilty of? We're guilty of trying to design a church service in which nobody comes to that they would ever get offended. We try to make everything so comfortable and so appealing that people would never get offended and they would never not come to church. But what did Jesus do? I struggle with that at times because I want everybody to feel welcome, sure. I want everybody to feel accepted, sure. I want everybody to feel loved, absolutely. But what did Jesus do when he went into the temple? When I opened that book and read, I found a time that he went into the temple and he started, he was so angry, he started turning over their tables and ran them out of of the church so that his wife he said because my house is to be called a house of prayer can I tell you that what we need the Holy Spirit to do today is to come run some of the garbage out of the church it's that garbage that hinders people from getting saved it's that garbage that hinders people from getting delivered you cannot mix oil and water you cannot sweet and bitter water cannot flow from the same fountain the Holy Spirit needs to come and bring some some order so that the work of God can go forth in the church again. Somebody ought to give the Lord some praise. We must realize that before day one, we got to have an understanding that the Holy Spirit is in charge and He's watching over our mess just so He can get us to the message today. And I want you to understand this morning that the same Holy Spirit that we're talking about is here today. He's hovering over us today. He's holding it all together long enough for you to get this word this morning. And I came to tell you this word. First of all, God cares. I said God cares. 
Second of all, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I want you to know this. God can. See, that was quiet. I said God can. See, I think that's why we, we talked about this in my Wednesday night class. I think that's why we don't see miracles in the church today like we used to see years ago. It's because some way, somehow, we can't get past, uh, we can't get to the point of truly believing that God can. And then we can't get past not only believing that God can, but God will. I come to tell you this morning, I don't serve a God that's not able. This book tells me He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything we could ask or think. But it's according to the power. Say power. Power that works in us. We're going to talk about that power in just a minute. John chapter 16 and verse 8 in the New Living Translation. Jesus himself said, and when he, who's he talking about? He's the Spirit of the Lord. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. There you go. Today you can't convict people of their sin because nothing's wrong. Hello, somebody. And of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit will try to get us to deal. You've got to deal with your own disorder. And you got to deal with your own chaos. So if you're here today and your life seems to be spiraling out of control. If at every turn there's chaos and confusion. And if situations are bringing emptiness and brokenness in your life. Then why not allow the Holy Spirit to draw you today. And let him hover over you until order can come in your life. So now that we've gone backwards this morning. And showed you how this thread runs all the way back to the beginning. To see some of the first words ever spoken about the thread of the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to move forward and we're going to look at the last words spoken about Him. How many of you know that the last thing that somebody says is extremely important? Somebody's last words are extremely important. When you know that somebody is uttering their last words to those that they're closest to, you'll stand up and pay attention. You'll lean in if they're weak and you need to hear what they're saying. You'll listen closely and you'll take those words to heart because those words are weighty. Many times you'll go to a funeral or a celebration of life service and you'll hear somebody say their last words were this because those words are valuable. Those words are important. And Jesus spoke last words to his disciples. Before he exited the scene and he turned this movement over uh, that, that he gave his life for, to, he turned it over to this motley crew of people, if you will, the disciples. They were a, a ragtag, uneducated, inexperienced, unlikely bunch of men. Before he did that, he spoke last words about the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us think that the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples is when he instructed them to. Many of you, if I was to ask you what was the last thing, you'd start quoting Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore into all the world and, and make disciples. That's not the last thing that he said about the Holy Spirit. That's the last marching orders that he gave the church. That's the last instructions that he gave them. But that's not the last thing he said about the Holy Spirit. After his resurrection and appearing multiple times to the disciples, Jesus measures his last words and, and he looks at them and we see them in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. And watch what he says. He says, and now, say now, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here, stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with, with what? Power from heaven. This same passage of scripture is validated again in the beginning of Acts in chapter 4. I didn't give them this passage of scripture, but most of you know it. And you shall receive 
power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's where the writer once again discloses Jesus' last words about the Holy Spirit. But his last word to them was not wait, not go. His last words was not go. But it was wait. And he tells them that they should gather together in Jerusalem and wait on the power. And as the account of obedience to that command to wait is obeyed, here we see the scene of these demoralized, frightened, uncertain, discouraged group of men and women who huddled together, imperfect people who huddled together in that upper room and they began to wait. And then we read in Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord and in one place, suddenly there came a sound, they were waiting, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues like as of fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And see, from that point on, on the day of Pentecost, all throughout the New Testament, as a matter of fact, everything looks different. From that point, after they went and they waited, are you with me this morning? From that point, all the way through the rest of the New Testament, everything in the Word looks different. This book is actually packed full of miracles that took place. Miracle after miracle after miracle that took place after the day of Pentecost. I want you to consider the lame people that were healed. I'm reminded of Peter and John as they were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer when the lame man was begging for money from them and Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give it unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible said he jumped up and began leaping and jumping and praising God. I'm reminded of another passage of scripture where they were assembled together and they knew Jesus was going to be in the house and the place was so full there was another lame man who wasn't able to walk in. So the Bible said the men were so concerned to get him to Jesus that they went up on the roof they opened up the roof and tore a hole out and began to lower him down in. Jesus said that the, hot, that the, the church was not a, a, a basically a museum for the saints it was a hospital for the sick and that when he could get up off of that bed and he could walk and with one touch a miracle was performed when the power of the Holy Spirit moved. I want you to consider Paul when he was shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. He got off of that ship and him and some of the others there were having to build a fire and as he began to throw sticks into the fire the Bible said that a viper, a poisonous viper came out from among the sticks and they bit him on the arm. Now don't anybody get offended at me. This is where some people get real confused. We ain't about taking up no vipers in here. Can I get a witness? Hello, somebody. But he said, what did, what did he say in that passage of scripture? Somebody said, oh, now wait a minute, pastor. They said you should take up serpents and if anything harms you and all that good stuff. Yeah, it did. If you come across one and you ain't got no other way out than to take it up, then take it up. But if I come across one and there's another way out, I'm out here. <laughs> but he said the poisonous viper latched onto Paul's arm. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he shook that thing off into the fire. 
I feel the Lord when I say that this morning. Some of y'all have got some things latched onto you that's got poisoning in them. Whew, did you hear what I said? Some of y'all have got some things that you've allowed to latch onto you that's got some poisoning in them. But if you'll just wait on the Lord and until you're endued with power, you'll be able to shake that thing off and it won't affect you and it won't harm you. Are you with me this morning? I think about other miracles in the scripture. What about the dramatic releases from prison? We read in the, in the Bible about Peter who was imprisoned and the church was all gathered together and they were praying for Peter's release. We do this in the church many times. We pray for God to do something and then when he does it, we fail to recognize it. They were praying for Peter's release and when the miracle happened and Peter was standing at the door, uh, the, the, the lady went to the door. He was at the outer court and it was Peter. They were praying. That's what they were doing, praying for Peter to be released. She goes out there and it's like, it's Peter. She goes back in there and tells him, Peter's free. He's released from prison. You know what they said to her? The ones that was praying for the miracle. You've lost your mind, woman. But Peter was released. What about Paul and Silas? After they were beaten and bruised and chained and taken to prison. I read in this book that the Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas began to do something that we can't even get people in the house of God to do on Sunday mornings anymore. Golly, it's quiet up in here today. What are you talking about, Pastor? Paul and Silas had been tortured, beaten, imprisoned. But the Bible said about midnight, they began to sing and give praise to God. Some of us got up this morning, we got clothes on our back, shoes on our feet. We drove here in a car. We've got a nice house. We've got a good job, money in the bank, food on the table. Everything's going well, but we can't even lift up our hands and give God praise. I want to tell you what God's looking for. God's looking for a church full of people that don't have to be primed, don't have to be pumped up, don't have to be bribed or begged to say, God, I praise you because you're worthy. What did this book say? It said he inhabits the praises of his people. If you want his presence to come down to where you are, why don't you give him some praise that he deserves? Think about the last miracle I'm going to talk about. The mass salvations that we see in Scripture. I mean mass salvations. The church grew. The day of Pentecost, Peter went out and he preached. 3,000 people got saved. Then That was Acts chapter 2. By Acts chapter 5, there was 5,000 people in the church. The church grew day by day by day. Mass salvations. And the rest of Scripture is simply a revelation of what happened after the people of God waited and prayed. And I think it's safe to say that the waiting was worth it. This backwards, fearful group of individuals became so clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit that by the time we arrive to Acts chapter 17, 15 chapters later, the writer informs us that the people of the community described the men, these men, as one's who had turned the world upside down. What they waited on changed everything for them. And it changes everything for us. And to this very day where you're seated this morning. That encounter that those men and women had in that upper room. Has launched the fastest growing movement in the entire world. I think it's important at this moment to back up. So that we don't make the mistake. And I'm almost done. We don't make the mistake of thinking that this thread that clothed these men and women with great power was just for them. 
Many of you have heard people say, oh, that, that ended after Pentecost. No, it didn't. It just started on the day of Pentecost. I want us to go back to Joel chapter 2 and we'll learn the truth that it was for everybody. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Then after doing all those things, he said, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All. Upon who? Upon the people that, that think they live right? On the people that think they're worthy? On the people that do good? No. On all. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters. For those of you who may have an issue with women preachers, you know what prophesy means? Prophesy simply means declare the word of the Lord. Your sons and your what? Daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. So if the wait was worth it, and I believe it's undeniable that it was, and if what they waited on was designated for every single type of person in every age demographic and not any special class or sector of society, then the question that I must ask you today is this. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? If they'll come to the music this morning. Or this afternoon now. This great and promised gift from God. It's ours to have and it's ours to utilize. And yet many of us haven't encountered or experienced the Holy Spirit. Did you know that a recent survey revealed that less than 40% of folks attending Pentecostal churches have ever personally experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do you think that is, Pastor? Could it be that we're waiting on the wrong thing? The disciples waited on power. Now, I'm going to say a few things this morning that will tear down some of the ideology that traditional Pentecostals may have had for years. But I would submit to you this morning that by and large, most Pentecostals have been waiting on the wrong thing. By and large, most Pentecostals have been waiting on the wrong thing. We wait on powerful services. We wait on goosebumps. We wait on tongues or a prayer language. And watch this. We act as if that's the goal and the end all. That's the climax of the experience rather than an indicator that it's the beginning of the experience. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and that that is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit. That's not the only evidence. Now here's where some of you are totally going to shut me off and that's okay. I know a lot of tongue-talking people that are mean as the devil. Anybody else know some of them? Don't raise your hand. I know a lot of tongue-talking people that are mean people. Listen, I believe in this and it's real. Trust me, I know that it's real. But I'm not about a bunch of foolishness that shouts and speaks in tongues on Sundays and then lives like hell the rest of the week. You say, preacher, that was blunt. I'm not about that kind of Sunday and then a week worth of talking down to people being ugly to people we are called to be encouragers if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit it will help you do more than just speak in tongues it will also help you shut your mouth when you need to shut your mouth are you with me this morning it will help you hold your tongue when you need to hold your tongue it will help you show love when somebody's almost unlovable if you have the power of the Holy Spirit that's what we're missing in the church today is the power that changes lives. 
want to wait on gifts. We want to wait on spiritual shows and displays and all of that stuff. But what we need is the power. I, I want to see a church that has the power to change the world around them. I want to see a church that has the power to witness. I want to see a church that has the power to live pleasing to the Lord. I want to see a church that has the power to bring freedom. Anybody ever been set free from something? I want this to be a place when you walk in those doors and it says above your head, free to love, free to serve, free to worship. I want this to be a place where there's freedom. They, these folks were clothed in power. Power that changes how we live, changes how we think, changes how we behave, changes our goals and our desires and our purpose and our attitude. If you will, stand with me this morning all over the room. As Pentecostals, we don't need to be people that is always waiting on something that's only used to produce what we call and classify as a good service on Sunday. This thread that I'm talking about today should bring power. The power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask some of you today who may have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit before, I want to ask you a tough question. Ask yourself this question. Are you any, are you any stronger today? Have you demonstrated any more power? Have you caused any change? Are you overcoming the things that used to overcome you? Are you withstanding attacks that used to overtake you? Listen, I'm glad you had an experience. I'm glad maybe at some point you spoke in tongues. I'm glad that, that you felt the presence of God. But I'm asking you this morning, does your life exhibit any power? Because there is a difference. If not, then I would suggest to us today that maybe it's a time for a refilling of the Spirit in our life so that we can tap into the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close with this. Bishop White preached a wonderful message to us last week. And he talked about how this is the promise of the Father that gives us the power of the Spirit. But the whole reason is so that we can fulfill the purpose of the church. Now today, many of you may be those that have never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus. And I want to encourage you today Begin the process of waiting and seeking on the Lord. Over the next week or so, we're going to, I'm going to give you more insight into this gift and, and more encouragement for an opportunity to receive. But at least begin seeking and waiting today when we open this altar joining us. Maybe you're one of those who experienced the baptism as a very young person, but it's been a long time since God has filled you with a fresh touch of His power. I want us to come together this morning and wait on something that will produce change in the world around us. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior. There's a whole room full of people here today that will testify to you. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Isn't that right, church? They're going to sing today. This altar's open. Will you join us in a time of just seeking and waiting and calling out on the Lord to fill us with His power and His